What is going on, my people of Ridge Runner Nation? Welcome back to another Ridge Runners live show. You guys are in for an absolute treat tonight as we had on the lovely Liz Anjos, who recently ran the FKT in the northbound direction for the Appalachian Trail and became the second fastest woman to complete the trail all time. She was absolutely an amazing guest. We dove into a plethora of topics, including performing at Coachella and Lala Palooza. Sit back, relax. I'm going to get out of here and let her do the talk. Yo, what is Crackalack and Ridge Runner Nation? You found us again, and we are super excited for tonight's episode of Ridge Runners Live. Tonight, our guests through hike the Appalachian Trail in 51 days, 16 hours, and 30 minutes, becoming the fastest woman to do so, heading in the northbound direction, and the second fastest woman to do so all time in either direction. In addition, she founded a nonprofit called Rose City Track Club, where she currently resides in Portland, Oregon. On top of that, she's a very talented musician. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Liz Anjos, how's it going? Oh my goodness. Thank you for that introduction. Um, it's going really well. I've just been uh, kind of making my way west across the country from the East Coast after finishing the, the trail. So where are you at right now? I'm in Grand Junction, Colorado. I just spent a couple of days in Boulder and I was just um, yeah, telling these guys earlier that um, that I'm just kind of meandering and taking my time <laughs> heading west um, because of, you know, I'm, I'm smiling, but it's not, you know, it's really um, devastating and sad. There is the wildfires and smoke and everything um, up and down the west coast. So um, the air quality in Oregon is really bad right now. So as, as homesick as I am, I'm just taking my time getting back. Definitely. Yeah. Continue your safe travels across the country there. Uh, for those of you that don't know, my name is Wesley Harton and holding down the fort with me tonight. Uh, you guys know him. You guys love him. He's known as the sixth man of the nation, Cam Wrench. How's it going? Doing really well, Wesley. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. So let's just kick things off how we normally do uh, with our typical first question is what is everyone drinking tonight? Liz, start it off for us. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I forgot I was supposed to have a more special beverage. Um, I, I'm just drinking water. I thought of how like, I, you know, I just met up with a friend and he brought me a bottle of champagne. It's not like I haven't opened it. So I was like, oh, I could just have this big bottle of champagne, but no, um, <laughs> Yeah, I just have water. You know, no one's ever popped champagne live on the show, and it could still happen tonight. <laughs> I can run out to my car and get it. <laughs> that would be pretty epic. <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, Cam, what about you? Um, so I got a Jackie O's Under a Cloud uh, India Pale Ale. You can't see if you're uh, watching this later on the podcast. The can has a, a very lovely mama possum on it, um, and that's why I bought it, because I'm um, – like a child sort of like easily seduced by shiny packaging in the grocery store. That's awesome. And for me, I just have a glass of red wine. It's wine Wednesdays. So I don't really know what kind it is. I'm not going to pretend to know what kind it is, but I've been trying to get more into the wine. So I'm thoroughly enjoying my beverage so far tonight. Uh, you can find the show on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're on Strava, we're over there too. Our handle is at Ridge Runners on all platforms. Liz, let's start off by getting to know you a little bit. Uh, walk us through who you are and how you got into running. Well, let's see. Um, I am a musician. I come from a musical family. I was born in Salem, Oregon, but I grew up in southeastern Pennsylvania. Um, let's see. And so I, 
I, I guess in relating to the trail, I, um, I hiked a little bit of the Appalachian Trail at a young age and um, I just uh, like a couple days and that's how I learned about the trail and what it was. Um, so that just kind of like sparks the idea of one day hiking the AT. Uh, and then I started running at the age of 14. I was going into a new high school. My dad thought it would be good if I signed up for a sport just as a way to like find community and make friends. And it worked. I joined the cross country team and track team. And especially I, I love the cross country team. It's just kind of, um, I don't know, an interesting gaggle of kids like in the sense of a lot of kind of like quirky personalities. And so I, I was into it, um, not even so much for the, the athletic or competitive side, but just for the I don't know, the run family part of it. And then, um, then uh, so that was uh, in Pennsylvania. I went to college in Greenville, Illinois. I studied classical piano and I was interested in running still, but I was afraid of how much time that would take for music. And I was like, no, I have to be practicing music for 10 hours a day and I don't have any time for running. But that, you know, that was kind of a wash. I still was able to, you know, accomplish my, uh, you know, degree and senior recital and all of that. And, um, and I ended up um, joining the cross country team in my college, my senior year, I kind of, you know, I just would see the team out practicing and think like, oh, I wish I were out there with them. And then I was like, well, this is silly. I should, you know, I, so I reached out to the coach and joined the team my senior year. And then for whatever reason, um, I don't know, it, it, it did kind of unleash the competitive side of me. And I started to get curious about how fast I could get. So um, I continued to run just competitively as like an amateur adult after after college. I um, you know, chased big running goals for a little over 10 years from then to now. And then I just always still kind of in the back of my mind had this dream of hiking the Appalachian Trail one day. And it was maybe like five years ago that um, that I started to make real plans for it and kind of meld the to, you know, that, um, nature and hiking and, um, and then I don't know, um, I, you know, I think of like how I'm an artist and musician and, you know, being out on the trail, it's so much more than just an athletic pursuit. Like it feels like this all encompassing mind body pursuit. So it was just, I don't know, the summer was like a culmination of all the things I love. So. That's awesome to hear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ridge Nation, if you guys have any questions, uh, drop those in the comment section below and we'll get to as many of those as we can throughout the show tonight. Uh, so what about the AT drew you to it? Obviously you went to uh, it at a young age and you hiked it, but what specifically drew you to the AT? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I, I mean, for a while, I mean, that was the only long trail I knew of for a long time. Um, but I think there's something about, I mean, it's this really ancient mountain range. There's something about all of the the stories um, that have been written, like all the books that have been written about it. I think, I, I, I don't really know what it is. I've just always kind of felt this pull toward the trail. And um, I, I, I have definitely, you know, I, it's in like, reading the stories about it and just kind of always dreaming of hiking it and one day I've, I've definitely romanticized it a little bit as I think a lot of people do so I it might I don't know necessarily why specifically the AT uh, other than maybe it was just the first kind of one I was introduced to then as I learned more about it over the years it just kind of grew me in more 
So I thought it was interesting to hear you say that uh, it was the goal that you wanted to run the AT was you started like obviously at a young age, but in the past five years, you kind of like put it on your plate, like, Hey, I'm going to do this in 2020. What was the last five years like in preparing kind of for that process? Um, I, um, probably, I mean, since maybe the first four years so, uh, from uh, maybe 2015 to 2019. I, I mean, I mostly just like read a whole lot and kind of like planned a whole lot. And, and I focused a little, I was just kind of like, oh, what gear do I need? And what, you know, I, when I think back, I'm like, gosh, I should have just like come out in the summer and done section hikes and prepared that way. But, um, but I, I just kind of, I, um, I think for a long time, it's like, oh, five years seems like a really long way away. So I would just kind of, you know, it, it always just seemed like this far off thing. And then in 2019, I'm like, oh, I have like a year to get ready for this. And it's one thing to like read a bunch of books about it, but another thing to actually physically and mentally prepare for the trail. So I sort of started to, to, you know, take it a little more seriously. And I, um, you know, I booked a, a flight out to Tennessee and I, in my reading, I had um, learned about this Appalachian Trail Institute that, um, that Warren Doyle puts on. I read about him in one of Jennifer Farr Davis's books, the current um, women's record holder on the trail. She's written many um, like uh, wonderful books, but um I, so I, I went out to the workshop just to learn uh, more about the, he teaches about kind of more of the psychological aspects of the trail and then just some logistical and practical information and offers kind of like, a, maybe, uh, you know, I, I think that it is really easy to get sucked into the, maybe like the forums and the online and the gear and, um, and rather than actually maybe even just getting out and hiking a little bit on the trail or just like preparing that way. So, um, so anyway, I, I attended that and then I was able to get a few ideas from him on how to just like continue prepping, um, for as far as the, like the physical, uh, like athletic part of preparation, I had never done like super long distances before I've, I have a background mostly in road racing. Um, and I, Kind of pursued the marathon distance for a while, 26.2 miles on the road. But last year, um, I, you know, I was kind of perusing the fastest known time website and looking at the, you know, because of course, like my, my mind is, I, I'm just like, oh, I wonder, you know, if I could run and hike the trail. I wonder how fast I could do it. I wonder what the current records are. And, um, and then I, I, you know, I did the math and was like, oh, that's like, okay, 40 miles a day, 50, mi over 50 miles a day. Is that like, how is that even humanly possible? And I'd go out for these, uh, you know, I'd, I did a practice hike in Pennsylvania from Wind Gap to Delaware Water Gap. I forget, it was a, sh a short, I mean, maybe, uh, I'm gonna get the mileage wrong, but maybe something like 10 miles. And, you know, I, I ran that section, pretty technical, pretty rocky, but I was like, oh, that, you know, I felt pretty good for that. So if I just did that like <laughs> four or five more times like that, you know, that seems pretty doable. There's enough time in the day for that. And it was all kind of theoretical at that point. But then I started to actually back in Oregon experiment with, um, you know, trying a 40 mile day. And then I did a practice hike with Warren out in New York and, um, and tried, you know, multiple days doing that much. And I was 
at, you know, at the, at the end of the day of, you know, my first 40 plus mile day, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. My hips are sore. Everything's sore. I don't know how I'm going to wake up and do that all over again in the morning. But then, um, then the next morning, you know, sleep is an amazing thing. I woke up the next morning and was like, oh, I actually feel pretty good. And then I went and did it again. So it was just kind of like discovering, you know, it's one thing to kind of theorize about it, but then to actually go out and be like, oh my gosh, I can do that. That was really exciting. So that's when the wheels started turning and I started to think about pursuing a, a record or an FKT. So back then you didn't even have an ultra finish under your belt, technically, correct? No. <laughs> okay. So so that's crazy. So was that your longest run that first time with a 40 miler like distance PR for you? Yeah, the only, so the longest I had gone, uh, so I, I had done one 30 mile run in like 2011. My friends went, it was a Wildwood Trail in Portland. We kind of took all day to do it, like took sandwich breaks, like just kind of made it a, a big day thing. And then, um, but yeah, Aside from that, uh, I guess it was actually during my the the short prep hike in New York with Warren. This was last like mid August last year that that was my first time going over forty or like forty miles or over forty miles. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Especially with your uh, the prep that you've done since then. Obviously, you're a two fifty one marathoner. You set that at Houston this year. But let's talk about going back to this past December and uh, how you kind of got maybe met the legendary Dave Horton and uh, ran a race down in uh, Virginia. Yeah. So yeah, I ran the Hellgate one hundred k in Virginia. It is unofficially sixty six point six miles, a little over hundred k. Um, but yeah, I, uh, Warren had introduced me to David Horton, uh, while I had been in the midst of a prep hike, I actually had a really bad fall and tore up my knee and had to get staples in my knee. And then, uh, they, it was like, okay, I, I guess I should probably take a day off. <laughs> and, and we, <laughs> we used that time to drive up, um, to Liberty university where he teaches and to where David Horton teaches. And, um, and, you know, I told him about my, ambitions of going after a, a record on the trail and um and it it was great like he had all kinds of questions for me and he was all like oh let me see your knee and wanted to see you know and uh, you know my my bloody gross knee and um and then he he invited me to come out to run the healthy 100k so it was all kind of on a whim that was in november i flew out to uh, virginia from oregon in december and and yeah it was my introduction to ultra running and, and not only just ultra running, but like on the East coast, like I met all these really um, wonderful runners um, in the Virginia area. There were a lot of runners kind of from the Crozet running community there. Um, but, but yeah, the, the race, was, it starts at midnight so that I had never done anything like that before. And the weather was crazy. It was just raining buckets. It was 40 degrees maybe. And just no matter what you wore, it would soak through, you know, everyone's kind of like changing their outfits at all the aid stations. And, uh, um, it was just, but I, but at the same time, it was a lot of fun and it was the people that made it fun. The other runners and the, you know, all the wonderful volunteers that were out there in the cold. Um, it just felt like this big, like community effort. So I was just very drawn into that. And it was a really, even though it was just like insane, it was a great, I mean, I guess that's a good introduction to, to ultra racing. That is the perfect introduction, especially this past year. Like you said, the weather was absolutely brutal. Uh, you ended up finishing fourth overall at your 
first ultra. Uh, so congratulations on that at Hellgate this, this past year. Uh, after that, you decided to go out and run a couple FKTs. Talk about the, your training from Hellgate uh, to the AT adventure uh, this summer. Yeah. Um, so let's see. And uh, so I, you know, I had done that big prep hike and uh, it was like a, you know, a week kind of straight on the, on the 18th November. And then um, in the spring, so yeah, you know, I, I kind of, so even though I had the Appalachian Trail coming up, I was like, oh, spring can be like my last hurrah with road racing and track. I was like, oh, I'll have a track season. I'll like to, you know, I had all these kind of plans to, to cause be with um, Hellgate, I was training, I was in the midst of training for Houston Marathon and you know, doing all the speed work leading up to it. And I was like, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like I'll, you know, I, I kind of was like, oh, I'll keep doing my speed work, run some road races, but also do the majority of my miles on trails. So that was all passed out the window when COVID hit. I, I, I think I got in one 10K on the track really early in the season. And it actually just reminded me of how like horrible and hard it is to, to race 25 laps around the, the track. I mean, even though that doesn't compare with the ultra distances, it's just, oh, it was, it was hard. But um, anyway, with actual organized events out the picture, like many other, you know, runners out there, I decided to kind of check out what the local fastest known times were on the trails in Oregon. And I just kind of worked my way up in distance. So the, um, let's, let's see, the first one I did was Wildwood Trail out and back. It's kind of like a, just like very nice rolling trail, really smooth, like really good, like, it, you know, not, not too technical. And it was 30 miles out, 30 miles back. And it, uh, there was no established women's uh, time for like, you know, going out and back. Um, another uh, local legend, Yasin Zibun, he had um, the, yeah, the, the men's time. And I was like, oh, I need a, a woman on the board. So I went and did that. And it, it was just kind of right when everything had just started to hit. Like people, with, with COVID, it was like, uh, like, should I even be driving anywhere right now? Like, I don't, I don't know if I should be getting gas at the gas station. So I was like, well, I'm going to ride my bike to the trailhead. And so it wasn't that far away, but I, I, you know, had the idea to ride my bike, but to get from where I live to the trailhead, it's up this steep hill. So I ended up just like walking my bike up the hill. And then, and then I, I, you know, just kind of had like a relaxed day out and back. I didn't even really try to push it. I was like, let's, just do a 60 mile day and felt good and and I had really good weather and then I finished and then at the end of the day I had the bike ride back home but like this just as I finished this hailstorm decided to hit Portland and I you know had just finished this long run so I'm getting cold and then I have to ride my bike down this hill which requires no energy or effort or you know producing body warmth so I'm like riding home on my bike like after you know being depleted after running all these miles and I basically like got home and got under the covers of my bed and was just there for like an hour trying to get warm so uh yeah so that so there's one FKT story <laughs> so awesome um with uh, as you said, kind of a different um, spring after like five years of planning for the AT. How did you feel uh, fitness wise going into it, even with these like big, huge efforts? Did this feel different than you were in peak marathon shape, for example? Yeah, it definitely felt different. 
moment. Like I felt very prepared going into it because I, uh, yeah, I guess I, I didn't continue to delve into all the stuff I did in the spring. So I, I mean, I basically just, I, I, you know, put in more multi-day efforts just on my own and, um, and, and built up to kind of doing 40 mile runs, 50 mile runs. And then I did another, I did a, a another local FKT on very difficult terrain with uh, 67 miles. Um, and that felt a little more like it was, uh, at least, you know, you, you can, you cannot replicate the AT on the West coast and at least in my opinion, <laughs> but, um, but that was the, the best I could do. But anyway, so I, I felt very physically prepared going into it, but, um, but at the same time that maybe it was kind of, you know, I didn't do a ton in the last two or three weeks leading up to it. I knew, I knew that keeping on weight during the effort would be a challenge, like just eating enough calories to do, to put in, you know, 40, 50 mile days is a big challenge on the trail. So actually some advice I had gotten um, from both David Horton and Jennifer Farr Davis, who I had gotten, you know, we had gotten in touch before. Like they said like, yeah, actually like gain a little weight before you go. Um, so I did, and that was fun, but you know, it just, I, like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'll just like eat all the food. This is great. Um, mm -hmm. And I, and I think that was smart. Like, I think it helps me, but it just, the way, you know, I just maybe felt a little more like, uh, like sluggish than I would have going into a marathon. Cause I, I wouldn't have just been like, you know, I wouldn't have changed my diet drastically before a marathon. So. Okay. And so I do want to point out to our listeners that Liz just did something that I've never heard anyone else in the ultra community do, which is compare um, the West Coast unfavorably to the East Coast in terms of training <laughs> and terrain. Everybody loves to say, oh, well, you can't get those big mountains in Ohio, right? And they want to train for all these uh, huge races out West, which are great races, right? But I've never heard them be like, you know, out West, you just can't get like technical stuff. Like there's not enough rocks or roots. Like I've never fallen down and like landed in a briar patch, you know? Yeah, I mean that, and I, I to, to be fair, I really don't have a lot of trail running experience. But I mean, like on, you know, I, yes, like I just did the Appalachian Trail, but um, I guess I'm just speaking on the trails I know in Oregon and then after, hiking through yeah the gnarly like rocks and roots and I I mean going through these sections in Pennsylvania I you know I had some local runners join me and I I you know I, I had was going through I think I had shin splints or something and like I actually just couldn't run or you know it would have just made whatever my shin splints it would have made them worse if I did so we were hiking over this you know this really just gnarly stuff on the trail and I was like people do people run on this? They're like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, really? And then I was just so amazed because I would see trail runners out and, and, you know, granted I was in a lot of pain and just like every step hurt. So I, like, I wasn't my normal runner self in my defense, but like, I was honestly blown away by the, the trail runners I saw because they would just float over these rocks and like somehow not fall down. I was like, how do you do that? Like, I don't know. So yeah. So props to you guys. <laughs> we'll have to get you, you out for more uh, East Coast races in the future. Uh, so drop us down to ground zero, your first couple steps, the day that you're heading out to complete this whole, the whole Appalachian Trail. Talk us through what those first moments were like and how you were feeling. Oh, wow. 
I, yeah, there, there were a lot of feelings. Uh, so I, um, I actually started right at midnight for the attempt. So that, that was kind of cool. Cause I, um, I hiked, uh, up the, the you know, um, me and my crew, we were parked at the, um, there's a, like a parking lot by a forest service road. That's about a mile from the Southern terminus of the trail on Springer mountain. And so, um, yeah, I think maybe around 1130, I hiked in, it was all just foggy and it was really humid and damp. And, you know, we definitely wanted to get up there with plenty of time before midnight, just to kind of like take it all in and like sign the trail log. And actually I signed the trail log the night before, but, um, but I was with, I, I was with David Horton as well as Warren Doyle. Um, and so Warren Doyle was my main um, support crew. Then David Horton came to help out for the first two and a half days. So, um, so it was kind of cool. Like, you know, David Horton shared some thoughts about like what was going through his head when like he was about to attempt a record and, and he his successful attempt on the trail in 1991, just kind of like, Oh, what am I doing? I don't know. What am I getting myself into? <laughs> and I, and I, it's funny because I just, I felt strangely calm and just, and I don't know, I, I felt like the preparation, like I had gone through so much preparation and I, and also I think on the one hand, I felt prepared. On the other hand, I didn't have any idea what I was getting into. Really, I had never done a long trail like this before. So I think I was just, I was very relaxed. And it's also nice because, you know, with the, the nature of what I was doing, it's not a fast thing. So like we're up there, I, you know, it's, you know, I started right at midnight and it's not like, ready go? Like, you know, <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm just going to kind of like, you know, uh, meander on down this trail and get the day started. And it was just all very kind of relaxed. So I, yeah, I don't know. And I think I was also just in disbelief that it was actually happening after all the, the dreaming and of just like, oh, it's like actually here I'm doing this. So, yeah. So what was that first day like? The first day... <laughs> Uh, um, you know, I, so I've been going back and trying to just kind of like day by day recollect everything, you know, write everything down as soon as possible. And even now I, I feel like I'm like, you know, I came out of amnesia and I'm trying to like remember, and it's like, I'll remember this one little thing and then be like, oh yeah, that's how I felt. But anyway, so I, I feel like I'm still trying to like, to think of like, to kind of like find those bits and pieces. But anyway, what I do remember from day one, uh, like it, it was pretty smooth sailing overall. It was extremely humid. And even, I don't think it ever rained, but it just everything was wet. Like my uh, socks and shoes were just wet. So, and um, so I, I had never even done this before, but I, I think I changed my socks and shoes twice that day, which it, you know, doesn't usually feel necessary, but I, I could, you know, feel blisters forming and just wanted to be sure to take, at least try to take really good care of my feet. Um, there weren't, you know, um, I don't remember there being a, a ton of hikers on the trail at that point, but, um, yeah, I just remember the day being like pretty smooth sailing. We, uh, got to, 
I think it was Unicoi Gap, if I'm remembering correctly, that I think that's 52 or 53 miles in. That's where Carol Save stopped on his first day. And basically Warren, my um, main support group, he was like, okay, so like, you know, we can stop here or, you know, there's like basically two more road crossings. And I was like, well, and, and we, you know, kind of the, the plan going into it was, you know, here's like an ideal schedule. Like if, you know, we can, if you're feeling good, we can try this and see if we can like put in a few really good first days and like get ahead a little bit and have more normal days throughout the, the rest. And I was like, I feel good. So like, I'm going to keep going. And I went through two more sections of the trail and ended up putting um, 69, a little over 69 miles in the, the first day. And I think it had just barely started to get dark. I think it was around nine o'clock when I finished. Um, and it was just kind of like, yeah, like feeling good, get some food in me, go to sleep, like rinse and repeat, like go again. I think we still had an early morning the next morning, but maybe like I think it was two o'clock or something. But so yeah, it was a big day, but I remember overall it being pretty just like relaxed. Yeah, that's awesome. We've got uh, 15 more days to walk through here, so we'll just go one one day at a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one step at a time. I, I did that to myself a lot this summer. No, so yeah. take us through the next part of the story there and uh, as far as you want to go. Okay. Um, yeah, so, yeah, big big first day, and then I the, the next day, I think, I, I mean, I was feeling it for sure the, the second day, but I still had a good day. Um, I think I put in... Um, I, I did um, 56 miles and, and then I, uh, you know, I, I won't go day by day, you know, <laughs> it might take a little too long, but, um, but yeah, I, yeah, two and a half days in, I, you know, there, there's this really, really giant descent down off of, I believe, I, I don't want to get the names mixed up, but Wester or Westerwald going down toward the, uh, the, uh, now I'm going to pronounce everything rather than Nansahala, Nansahala. Uh, outdoor center okay anyway okay. So you're, you're asking the wrong audience here um we are both well-known <laughs> mispronouncers <laughs> okay i'm so sorry if i'm pronouncing everything wrong because i read a lot i don't anyway nantahala center mm-hmm. and I, I think it was like a three thousand foot descent and um and basically i just remembered that's about when i started to uh it, you know i to get um, shin splints, like the downhill stuff was really getting to me, but I continued on and, um, and just like, I, you know, I think I just had to start incorporating more walking than I had been with the running. And then, um, I, I, you know, I, I think, uh, around five days in, I was still, um, I don't want to mess up the facts, <laughs> so like, maybe, maybe like fact check me. <laughs> I think it was around five days in. I I, I had been matching the overall record. Uh, uh, Carol Stavis, you know, I um I had fallen off um because I got turned around in the Smokies, thinking I had gotten lost. I actually did not get lost, but I, I hadn't seen a blaze on the trail for several miles. So I actually kind of drove myself crazy going back and forth, back and forth on the trail, desperately trying to find a blaze. Um, I It was in the middle of this 30 mile section in the Smokies. But anyway, so I, I think I added on, like it was like seven miles, uh, which was very sad onto this 30 mile section. So I had packed enough you know, food and stuff for 30 miles, but I just, I wasn't, um, 
as prepared to for 37 miles you know I just kind of ran out of everything and got to the next road crossing and was frustrated that I had you know messed up and depleted and and so I I I ended I chose to end the day early and basically that made the decision of like okay well if you're not gonna go on the overall record was out and I was like yep, I bet like, I'm, I'm letting it go. That's fine. Cause I was just, uh, just like psychologically kind of done for the day. And so it was like, okay, like reframe the goal. Let's go for the women's record. We're still in a good position to do that. And so on I went, I was still dealing with shin splints um, and I really couldn't run a whole lot, but I was very determined to keep um, just matching the, the miles. Um, that I needed to do, I, and I, and um, and also that was around when I started to, you know, more people started to come out and hike with me because the first five days or four days were very solitary. I was mostly by myself, but then, um, then I had this just like really positive experience. And Jennifer Far Davis came out and hiked a little bit with me, and then um, Tara, who I, she, um, her trail name is Handy Mama. She's actually out on the mountains to sea trail, North Carolina right now. I'm going for the women's FKT there, but um, she manages Jennifer's hostel and hot springs and she came out and hiked with me for a while. And so uh, on the one hand, I was really physically suffering, but like, but on the other hand, I, I started to have people come out and join me. And that, that was actually really helpful just having people to, to, talk to and, um, and kind of take my mind off of the, the pain. So I, uh, <laughs> um, I think we went, I went on through day 18, um, I think averaging 50 miles per day. And then, um, and I, you know, I feel like right now I'm just kind of talking about, you know, the days and miles, like it, it's not really all about that. I had all of these like you know, really uh, significant experiences throughout. <laughs> it's it's hard to kind of like summarize everything, but but I guess just mm -hmm. through like the through the numbers for the trail, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I I was on pace for the the women's record through about eighteen days, um, but then because I was walking, I was putting in these really long hours on the trail. I was hiking twenty mile or twenty hours a day and getting two to three hours of sleep. And I just kept going in that manner because I was just so, I'm because I'm stubborn. And I also just thought, you can work through this. You can work through this. Like your body's going to heal itself. You're going to get better. Like this really sucks now, but like, just keep going. And I just, I really just kept that hope that things would change and I'd feel better. But it became clear eventually that I was not, I was not feeling better. I was just getting worse and worse. And it finally got to me. And then I, I think it was toward the end of the Shenandoahs, which I, like all through Virginia, like the, all, you know, all these people from the running community came out and I, it, like, I, I felt like I just had so much like love and support and help from the community and I had made it this far, but then I really just felt like I couldn't keep going. So I had all these, you know, feelings of like, oh, I'm, I feel like a failure and oh, I'm letting everyone down and it, I, I just didn't know what, you know, I, I stopped kind of at the end of the day at only 39 miles um, toward the end of the Shenandoahs in Virginia and just kind of had this talk with Warren, my support, you know, main support guy and, um, and we just kind of had to figure out what to do 
next? Like, I was like, I don't know if I'm like, are my, do I have a stress fracture? Like, am I actually hurting myself by continuing on? Like I can still walk, but like, I can't maintain a, you know, I'm not a strong hiker. I had kind of, I kind of had this moment where I was just having like a pity party for myself. And and this is with Warren, but I was like, Warren, I'm not a hiker. I'm a runner. I'm a runner. <laughs> like, and he's like, uh, like, yeah, you didn't think you were a hiker, but you're like, you're hiking. Like th this is your reality. <laughs> and um, so I like, and not that they're like one is better than the other, but I just, you know, I know how to trail run. I don't like, I'm, I don't, I, I, my, my hiking pace is two and a half miles per hour, like on technical stuff. And, um, I just kind of, just kind of had to reframe my mindset that like, it's probably gonna keep hurting. You're probably gonna like not be able to continue running and you're probably going to be going at this pace for the rest of the time. So like, <laughs> so let's set some goals based on that and so we uh kind of like reframed and came up with a new like abc goal okay let's try to go under 50 days uh b let's uh let's try to beat david horton's record <laughs> uh, 52 days and then c let's um let's try to beat heather anderson's record whereas hers is self-supported you know 54 days but she did that all by herself with no help um she um but that that was the second fastest women's time on the trail there weren't any more recorded or like uh supported women's attempts so we're like okay well like that's cool like why don't we try to go for the second fastest women's time and and then oh the fastest known time website actually like differentiates north and south and e even if like in the lore of the Appalachian Trail like even if uh that that's not differentiated you know maybe in the history of AT records um it's still something to kind of like for to me I was like well I can kind of like with that FKT I said on the Wildwood Trail in Portland I was like why don't we get another woman's name on the leaderboard like how about that so like um so that that kind of just helps to spark a new motivation to finish because I was like well do I like keep you know I I don't want to give up or I, I don't want to just say like oh I'll try again another year it's like no I I'm out here and I already did all this work and it, it would just be so sad to leave the trail and then I, I do think of all the people that helped me and it's like I want to keep going because I felt so lifted up by so many just I don't know family friends and communities so it was just really motivating to keep going no matter what and yeah so I guess like long story short you know the I, yeah, I mean, I could go into as much detail or not as you want, but yeah, basically it, that, that was kind of a, a pivotal moment. And then I went on and it was still really hard. And, uh, you know, the, I, I, I never had hiked through the, the white mountains before up in New Hampshire and Virginia and just really, you know, I really don't have a lot of experience with, um, the, the really technical climbing. So though, I mean, so I slowed down a lot more than we anticipated that I would through that. So it's like, okay, uh, this under 50 days are out. Like, let's go for 52 days. And then, um, I, so it was just the whole time, I like psychologically, it was really difficult because I felt like I was constantly just setting goals and not reaching them, setting goals and not reaching them. And it was really like, 
you know, I, a lot of people said, oh, I can't believe like how positive you are. And I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm glad that it's coming across but, like, <laughs> inside. I'm just like, oh man. And like, even just all the way through the end, I had trouble kind of, I, you know, it wasn't all hard. It wasn't all pain. Like I, you know, I'm kind of talking about, oh, it was so hard, but like, I, you know, I had so many wonderful moments on the trail, but, but just psychologically getting closer and closer to the finish, it was because I had kind of like not reached my own expectations <laughs> over and over again. Even the, the last few days, I had a hard time believing that I was actually like, like Katahdin's right there. Like you're going to be there tomorrow, but it, yeah, I, so it so finally getting there and finally climbing Katahdin, it was, I mean, that I could talk about that whole day in itself. Like it, it was really special and really surreal and really just like, I can't believe I just did that. So. So yeah. what was like one moment that you had out there that like kind of just made you realize, wow, kind of what I'm doing right now is totally epic. And like, I kind of just forgot about all the other, uh, all the other hardships that I was facing on the trails. What was a couple of those special moments out there, whether it was with people, uh, like a really cool spot on the trail or just an experience you had? Yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, the whole presidential range in New Hampshire, like that, that was pretty epic that it's like the, just the, you know, leading up to that and the, the white mountains, I mean, it's the first time you're really above tree line, you're exposed and it's just like the, the scenery just kind of took my breath away. Like it felt otherworldly. I think one section that I had been looking forward to the most was Franconia Ridge. It's just kind of like this open, rocky, expansive, green, uh, like just, I don't know, it looks like something you might think about of Lord of the Rings or, and I, you know, I've seen photos of it. And even I think a, a friend had a, a framed photo of it, or it was like a framed painting of it. And I was like, and th this <laughs> almost embarrassing. This was last year. And I was like, whoa, like, where is that? And she was like, it's the Appalachian Trail. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to hike that next summer. <laughs> so, like, uh, so, yeah, I mean, those parts were just really amazing. And it, you know, yeah, it, it just kind of took the focus off of like, oh, I need to like get this goal for the day. It's like, look at where I am. This is incredible. And then I uh, hiking up to the summit of Mount Washington. I, I had been pretty nervous about that because it's known for it's really just like crazy, really quickly changing weather. And I was just worried about getting bad weather and I, I made it. Uh, and, and I was um, hiking with a, um, um, a, a runner from like, from Vermont, and he, he had actually uh, accompanied Carol Save across the, uh, Mount Washington too. Um, so that like that was pretty neat because he was telling me all these stories about uh, Carol's record attempt in, or his successful record attempt in 2018. Um, but yeah, so we so we got to the top of Mount Washington. I got a little picture at the summit. Went into the visitor center, and I, I quickly texted. Uh, Warren and said, hey, we made it and the weather isn't even that bad, like on our way, yeah. And then, like, and then I left the visitor center. Um, you know, we, Ted and I continued 
along the trail and then like the rain just started to pitter patter a little bit and I was like this is fine this is fine and then of course it just you know it gets worse and worse and then the wind starts picking up and suddenly we're just in this storm and this really just like very exposed rocky section of uh, uh on coming down Mount Washington I, we were and then we the next we had to climb up Mount Madison next and I think it was six miles of exposure so you know there's no trees no cover no anything and we were both getting soaked we were both starting to get cold and there's really no option then to just keep going like there's not really anything else you can do and and then as we were climbing Mount Madison uh the rain kind of stopped, but then the wind just majorly picked up and it was just knocking me all around. You know, I, there, I, I, I was, I had uh, one hiking pole and it's like, every time I lifted my hiking pole, it would just like swing the pole around. And then at one point the wind just kind of like blew me sideways into this like boulder and, <laughs> and I didn't hurt, like I didn't get hurt, but I was just kind of like pinned against this rock and I like couldn't, get up <laughs> like and Ted was just like are you okay because it looked like I was just laying there but I was actually trying to push myself off the rock and I couldn't I was like I can't get up and we were just laughing so yeah so that was uh you know it, it was it, that it was tough but it was just fun and really memorable that's great Liz um and so I think we've covered like a lot of really big details um, and there's a lot of really great stuff here, but on like a day-to-day -day level, what was one thing, um, and maybe this didn't happen every day, but it happened a lot, that brought you an immense amount of joy on most of the days? And then one thing that happened also on most of the days that you just found unbearably annoying <laughs> to have to deal with every day? But, well, okay, I'll, I'll start with immense amount of joy because I, I haven't been talking as much about the joy <laughs> so far. And, and there was a lot of that. So, I mean, it was really just kind of like, it, it was, it's kind of neat. Like you, at, at the beginning of every day, you just never know like what you're going to get. You never know what the trail's going to hand you. And I, it's almost like I, you know, one hiker, said to me the trail giveth the trail taketh away but it like it's it's really true um so there i mean every day there would just be really just like these little special moments where i'd just stop and be like whoa and um <laughs> whoa uh, but, uh, but like i you know i think of you know i i I mentioned earlier about, oh, I was going down to the Nantahala Center and it was this 3,000 foot drop and all oh, my shin splints. But like before that descent, I was up on this ridge and it was at night. Um, it, you know, it was really early in the, like four or five o'clock in the morning. And I just, I, the, it, just the first glimmer of light was starting to show on the horizon and the stars were still out and you could see the, outlines of silhouettes of mountains just all around and I just stopped and turned off my flashlight and my headlamp and just I was just like this is awesome <laughs> and um and so there I mean there were just so many moments like that there was another time that I I at the end of the day I, I had the option to you know I could stop at eight o'clock you know get a good night's sleep or like do this one more eight mile section, but like a storm was coming and you know, it's kind of 
you know, what, what, do I want to take that risk or not? And I was like, well, I still have daylight, like, you know, I want to keep going. So I <clears throat> kept hiking up this ridge. Um, you know, you're always hiking up a ridge. So it's like, anytime there's a storm coming, you're like, well, I I'm definitely going to be up high and, you know, just keep my fingers crossed. I don't know. I mean, not that I'm recommending that, but I, but so anyway, I, this storm was coming, the sun was going down and it got, you know, really dark and kind of spooky for a while. But then, uh, but then the sun suddenly just kind of lit up everything. It lit up underneath the clouds and then suddenly the the whole forest just had this orange haze after it had been so dark just you know a few minutes earlier and there were just these like I don't know leaves and wildflowers and it it was just yeah I mean there were just so many moments like that where it's just kind of like you're it's like a, a little gift almost that the, that the trail gives you. It's almost like a, a reward almost for, for being out there. And, and, you know, for me, I was out there 20 hours a day. So it's just kind of like seeing it. It was almost like this like intimate aspect of being on the trail all the time. Like I felt like I just saw everything and it, yeah, it was, it was really cool. I mean, there was another moment where, uh, you know, I was just, I, I wish I could remember off the top of my head where it was, but there was maybe a seven mile section where I was just going over this rolling grassy, like, you know, like waving grass in the wind and the sun's out and there are wildflowers everywhere. And it's just like, it feels like you're in a dream. So I, I could keep going, but that, yeah, there are just so many neat moments like that. And, and that was really special. Um, okay, so what, so there was the, what was the other like stuff that drives me crazy? Yes, <laughs> the, the second part was, um, yeah, so when I say annoyance, I guess the, um, the meaning that I'm putting into that word is that something that is, you know, it's not derailing your whole day, but it could totally ruin the mood. And um, I know for me in an ultra, an annoyance is like something that makes me want to, you know, just like kick rocks down the trail and walk for about five minutes, even though I know I don't have to. Just be like, oh, this sucks, right? Like, this is so hard. Uh, now I'm curious about what yours are. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, um, yeah, so, I mean, one would be, like, not um, having, like, what I wanted in aid station. Um, and this is not to call out, like, the Mohican 100 race directors or the aid station people at all. But when I was uh, pacing my friend Chuck there last year, I went into an aid station and they had salt and vinegar chips out. Um, and they didn't tell me that they weren't regular potato chips. Um, and so that was quite a shock to me at the time. And I had to, I had to hide this, right? Because I couldn't let Chuck know because I needed to be strong for him. But that was a lot for me to deal with. <laughs> it's like stuff that in maybe your daily life is not a big deal. But, mm -hmm. like, but the minute, you know. Like certain expectations mm -hmm, exactly <laughs> you're like all i want is this plain potato chip it's like i just wanted regular lace potato chips and there's salt and vinegar like of all the flavors right i i feel that <laughs> i feel like that's something that if you're already almost at your breaking point <laughs> like, like I, I could see myself just like crying <laughs> and I, uh, yeah I, I think, so maybe I'll just, in thinking of 
maybe uh, start throwing tantrums. I, <laughs> um, I mean, I think this started in Pennsylvania, but it just kind of continued after that. I have already mentioned the rocks of Pennsylvania, but it was just kind of this endless cycle of, uh, I, well, I, I mean, basically I just stubbed my toes a lot it, and it was just annoying. <laughs> and mm -hmm. like, exactly. The more, the more tired mm -hmm. I get, the more I stubbed my toes and it wasn't debilitating. It was just like, I, and you know, I, I did spend a lot of time on the trail by myself. So I started to get very vocal with the trail. Like, I feel like I had a relationship with the trail and like most of the time I tried to be very like nice to the trail. Like even when I was like, like I'd be like, no, you're, you're teaching me a lesson. Thank you. Like I would, like, I would talk to the trail and, um, but, oh, like every time I stubbed my toe, I, I would just scream. Like, I just be like, <laughs> and you know, as far as I knew, no one was around. Maybe that, you know, there are people like camping up and they're just like, <laughs> what's happening? Actually that did happen. And, um, I, you know, I think it, I'm, I'm too embarrassed to like mimic how I, I sounded now. But, but I did, I sounded it, just kind of like a whiny child and, um, and I had some outbursts and then not too, like maybe 300 meters later, I came across some hikers that were going the opposite direction. And I was like, I'm so sorry if you heard that. And they were like, we thought there was a small child in the woods. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we were a little concerned. I was like, oh no, it was just me. I was just having a moment. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that was really it. I mean, I mean, I'm sure there were other things, but that I just remember getting so just <laughs> like roots and rocks and and I and I yeah and maybe that is the yeah like West Coast like I'm just I and I'm making excuses, but I I just wasn't used to it. And then the more tired I got, just the the worse it it would just happen more and more. And oh yeah. Well, you say maybe you're making excuses, Liz, but save for about two years where I lived in Chicago, I have lived my entire life in Rocky and Rudy, Ohio. And sometimes I still do scream on the trail when I stub my toes a bunch. So okay. I think that's a pretty reasonable reaction. Uh, I am a lot just generally, but you know. <laughs> um, and so moving on from there, um, we've got just some like quicker questions to kind of wrap things up here a little bit uh, towards the end of the show. The first one I want to start with is a question from the live chat. It's from Alex Jackson. He asked, if you could only eat one fast food item to fuel an ultra or a through hike, what would it be? Ooh. Oh, can I pick two? Um, I'm going to say you can do a food item and a drink. Okay. Food item. I mean, maybe this is boring, but French fries. French fries are so good. Like they go down real easy. They're salty. They're fatty. Oh, they're so good. I love French fries. Um, okay, then I'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit uh, for the drink, but milkshakes. Milkshakes are awesome. It has everything you would want. You That's... get milkshakes delivered out on the trail? Yeah, people brought me milkshakes. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, um, yeah, at one point, uh, David Horton put out a thing on Facebook saying, hey, come like see Liz or run with Liz on the trail. She likes strawberry banana smoothies. So like suddenly in Virginia, everyone's bringing me strawberry banana smoothies like from, from McDonald's. And then, um, then I, yeah, I think the word got out like, oh, I like vanilla milkshakes. And then, so there, yeah, there, there was one night that, um, that some, someone just had been reading the, the updates that we were putting out on my blog and they just guessed where I'd 
be at the end of the night, you know, finishing my day. They were just kind of like, oh, she's been doing about X amount of miles a day. She's probably going to finish here. And they, uh, you know, drove out to the, the road crossing and we're chatting with Warren and I came down and then this guy had brought a milkshake and I got to like finish my day and just uh, it was like oh thank you like this is, <laughs> this is awesome so um but yeah that's a nice, some nice trail magic there that is great uh everybody loves some trail magic um either giving it or receiving it right um especially on the AT just the culture of that seems to be so strong but um you discussed a little bit um, your musical background. You said you're from a musical family. You went to college for classical piano. Um, and then you also mentioned that starting the AT didn't quite have that race-like atmosphere. Um, what atmosphere do you prefer? What's a little more electric? Uh, what do you like more, um, being at the starting line of a really big race or about to step on stage for a musical performance? Oh, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good question. Um... Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, those those are both very electrifying things in a way, and they they kind of play to like both. Like, I feel like I have, uh, it kind of plays to different parts of my personality because I like I like I love talking to people. I love the you know the like walking out onto a stage with especially yeah like it's a it's a if, you know I. Uh, so I, I left out in my like life story synopsis that I, I played in a band and toured, you know, toured around the U.S. And, and some international stuff for like five years. So that like, you know, we were doing headlining tours. So it's like really fun to like walk out onto a stage to like, you know, a room full of people that are there to see you. Like it, it was uh, so, I mean, so that is really exciting, but, but I'm also very introverted and uh, e e despite that, I'm very introverted and very introspective so i mean those are like polar opposites i you know when, when i think not like maybe a race but when i think of you know being out on the trail or something and being so in my thoughts um so oh, and, and then then there are things like road marathons and i i've done like the big city like i i think of chicago marathon where the you know there are rows of people five or six even even if they're not there to see specifically you, you still feel like a rock star, like running through the streets and stuff. So, oh, it's hard to choose. I don't know if I can choose one. Um, <laughs> yeah, may, maybe from like the the thrill standpoint, I'll I'll say the stage. Okay, that's a good answer. <laughs> having never <laughs> done that, right? I'll I'll say that that makes total sense, and probably <laughs> never having uh, any opportunity to do that in the future. Well, probably not at the level that she's done it as well. Cause I mean, she's kind of being modest right now, but she's played at some pretty awesome places. Some of you guys might've heard of Coachella or Lollapalooza and whatnot and other venues and the concerts like that, that she's headlined for. So uh, just really awesome. Yeah. Those, ex that was unreal. I mean, with like the uh, playing Coachella that, that was in the summer of 2015. And not, not only was it one of the, biggest live audiences the band I was in had ever played for. I I feel like I've given out so many numbers for the audience that I actually forget what it was, but it was definitely like, I think like tens of thousands of people. And then, and then they were also live streaming it across the world. And so it was just like, I had to just kind of not think about it when I was on, I was like, I can't, I, it's, it's just, yeah. I, Cause I, I, I do think I've, 
you know, being my introverted self, I do kind of like the smaller intimate venues. And when you're just up on this like outdoor stage with like people as all, you know, as far as you can see, it's just like, it, you're, it's hard to be as connected. So it, the whole thing was just very like unreal, <laughs> surreal. So it was really cool, but also just like, whoa, I can't believe that happened. <laughs> Kind yeah. of keeping in line with the musical topics here. We love asking our guests this question. Uh, if ultra running had walk-up songs like baseball, for example, what would yours be? I would do jock jams. <laughs> like, I, it just makes me think of the 90s, like the dun, 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 you know, I don't know. I would just kind of, that, that would make me excited. Um, uh, or, or I would do like a slow motion run into the chariots of fire theme song. Like that, that could be fun too. Okay. All right. And then uh, I heard on another podcast that you just recently did as well that um, another thing when you're not just yelling at the trail because you've stubbed your toes too many times <laughs> is that you'll sing on trail too, which is another thing that I've done, probably not nearly as well, both in the running and the singing aspect. But uh, what is your favorite song to sing on trail? And was there one song that really stood out that you sung a lot on the AT? Yes. I. I like to sing uh, Don't Rain on My Parade, Barbara Streisand. <laughs> just like, okay. don't tell me not to live. Like, I just, <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just kind of like got, got me pumped up. And uh, <laughs> um, so that, that, that was a fun song to sing. Um, what else? Oh, hiking up uh, McAfee Knob uh, in Virginia. I, so it just seems to happen all the, it's like as soon as I'm kind of getting to the very top of whatever mountain I'm climbing, a storm hits. <laughs> and like so that, that and you know, McAfee Knob, that's it's like a very kind of like where the, the iconic photo of the, mm -hmm. the hiker on the little like uh, the not little but the the rock overlooking the big the majestic sweeping views of the mountains. And I was like, oh, I can go get the famous McAfee Knob picture when I'm up there. <laughs> and then then this giant storm hits and I'm just afraid of getting struck by lightning and and I and I'm like I could just stop and not keep going but then I don't know how long the storm is gonna last and you know I I don't want to be hiking until midnight so I'm just gonna keep going and and the storm was really loud and no one else was on the trail so I just started singing uh the song I Have Confidence from The Sound of Music. Uh, it's the song that Fraulein Maria sings when she's like swinging her suitcase around, going to the Von Trapp family and trying to like psych herself up for being the new governess. So I was just like, I have confidence in sunshine. <laughs> and there's, I have confidence in rain. <laughs> and, I, and I was just singing it at the top of my lungs and you know, the thunder was still louder than I was. So, and there were some hikers out, but I was just like, whatever, I don't care. <laughs> like as far as them hearing me saying, I was just kind of, cause I actually was scared. I was scared. And, and so singing helps me feel better. Yeah, that's, that's really great. I'm so glad to know that I'm not alone that uh, strange sort of habit. No, but, you're not. And um, I heard hikers singing, like there was another hiker singing at the top of his lungs at one point and he's like, oh, don't mind me. And I was like, oh, I do it too. <laughs> you know, we do what we need to do out there, so. All right, that's great. Well, um, barring any last minute questions that come in from the chat, uh, I would like to end with another one of the quick questions that we seem to ask a lot of people is, uh, if you could run with one person in the history of the world, um, even if they aren't a runner, let's just say that, you know, 
they'll run with you and they'll be able to keep your pace. Uh, who would it be? Conan O'Brien. I just love Conan O'Brien. I like, I've been watching okay. his show, like, um, I think ever since maybe college, so I don't know, like, I'm, uh, like, how old am I, you know, like, 15 years ago, and I just, I just think he's a really, like, interesting person, and, like, I, I just like admire his work ethic and he's hilarious. And I would, yeah, I don't know. I just think a conversation with Conan O'Brien would be really enjoyable. And I know he's really into cycling, so he probably could, could run and, and be fine. He has those okay. long feet legs, so, you know, I'd probably <laughs> keep up with him. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, these answers always surprise me every time. Um, I never would have imagined Conan O'Brien but I guess I always assume people will pick like powerful people or like world leaders from the past or those sorts of things. <laughs> and like, of all the people in the universe and time, yeah. space and time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> well, if you, if you go back to our episode history, um, when we were talking about the run across Ohio and I can't not remember the guest name, so my apologies to her, but we were speaking with this woman we had on as a guest and we asked her that question and she said, oh, well, my husband. You know, I was like, oh, oh, that was so sweet. Um, you know, and I keep expecting, like I said, these huge answers, right? And everyone um, is like so unique and so great. Um, yeah. I mean, so. that, that is really sweet. <laughs> you know, I kind of like made this fate like, like, oh, but actually like, yeah, that's like, that's, that's really, yeah, that's really nice. <laughs> That was Jen's answer on that uh, episode. And it was a truly touching uh, answer for sure. Like all of them have been so far. Uh, Liz, I want to ask you a quick question. It's not from the chat, but it's from me. So basically close enough. Um, what's next for you? Obviously you're probably still making your way. You're making your way back to Oregon slowly, but like what's your next big adventure? Uh, what do you have your eyes set on moving forward? Yeah, I'm still trying. I'm kind of trying to figure that out. I, you know, as as the, um, you know, I got closer to the, to finishing the Appalachian Trail, I kind of told myself that the same thing I told myself at the end of like every marathon I do, or, or, you know, I think of the end of the hundred K, I'm like, I'm never going to do this again. <laughs> and like, this is the last thing I don't, you know, I'm, I don't want to put myself through any more of this. Ah. And then, like, <laughs> And then, you know, that you, you know, I'm starting to recover. And then I just, you know, I, I like to read a lot and I, I, I'm like, oh, I should, you know, I, I'm interested in doing more ultra running. So I'm reading uh, Dean Karnazes' book. Like I, I, and I'm, you know, reading through this and then I'm, it just reading about other people running gets me excited about running. So I'm like, I just feel, so, you know, inspired again. So I, I still think I'm, I, well, I guess I, um, something a couple things i'm excited about i and i you know i've said this a, a couple times in other places but um the oregon section of the pct i would love to do i i'm not sure if i would ever want to hike the entire pacific crest trail but i love oregon i i'd love to and even if it's just uh, for fun or even you know i'd love to just do um you know i just did this supported hike of the appalachian trail but i think it would just be a really great experience to do to just like do my own kind of more traditional hike and like take everything I need on my back and um and just be I, I think I'd feel just good about myself to to do something like that and and be self-reliant and maybe just kind of show myself yes I can do this and and then I'm 
I'd also love because I um, did that Hellgate run and I, I ran a qualifying time to get a lottery entry into the Western States 100. And I, you know, I don't know, I, you know, it might, I, however many years, or I don't know how long it could possibly take to even get in, but I think that would just, you know, it's just this legendary race. So I think that would be really neat to participate in that race. And then there's an, an, uh, an, another ultra that just um, has kind of piqued my interest is the Hurt 100. Um, and why I, I don't know, have, have you guys, have you, have either of you done that one? Or. I was out on the course a little bit when I was in Hawaii earlier this year, but that race is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I, I can imagine. So, and I, I have a, um, a so the, um, someone I coach with, um, Matt Stevens, I, I believe he helped produce the, the documentary that was made about it. So he just kind of introduced me to the, the race and I watched the documentary and just thought like, oh, what a neat, you know, it's like the community part that get like, that's what got me into cross country. That's what like kind of endeared me to Hellgate. And then the community centered around the Hurt 100, just, I was like, oh, that looks really neat. I would love to do that one day. Yeah, that, that sounds really great. Um, well, Liz, uh, for, so, or for our listeners who want to follow you on social media, um, where can they find you? Any sponsor plugs, uh, any gear that you want to plug before we uh, wrap things up? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Pink Feathers. Um, it's just all one word, Pink Feathers. And then um, if you uh, if if you didn't follow the AT hike, um, I I'd recommend checking out the. I made a website just for the Appalachian Trail hike. It's it's Mercury. That's my trail name, Mercury. It's Mercury on the AT dot com and. Um, I, so we just have these little trail updates that were written every day. So if you're interested in just seeing kind of day by day, how it went, I, I had so many people tell me afterward, oh, we let, you know, I, my su support person, Warren Doyle, um, he, his, and his trail name for, for the purposes of this hike, at least was Jupiter. So Jupiter wrote these just like little daily trail updates. And I, we got so many, like he got so many compliments on them. Just people loved kind of getting them in their inbox every day. And it, they kind of felt like part of the adventure. So I, you know, if you're interested, I would recommend reading those mercuryontheat.com. And then I also just have my, um, my, uh, like running blog website, uh, at runningliz.com. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't have any sponsors, I, um, but I guess I'll just, you know, I wanted to give a shout out to some of the you know, the companies that I really like and stuff that I just actually used and uh, on the trail. So, um, Tracksmith apparel, you know, I wore their shorts at the, every day they have like tons of pockets. I wore um, a lot of Wazelle gear that I'm wearing a Wazelle dress right now. Um, uh, and showers pass They're this, uh, they're actually a more cycling focused brand, um, based in Portland, but, um, but I had one of their waterproof jackets um, out on the trail and and that was really great and and then i discovered spring energy gel um, that someone brought me out on the trail i usually don't like gels that it's just like pure sugar but th they're actually made with real food it's almost like eating that uh, like like baby food <laughs> like it's just like uh, they make these like oatmeal packs it's just kind of like oatmeal mush but it's like if you need a lot of calories and you want them fast like it, it that was just great so i'm all about them um i'm trying to think of anything else but that, yeah that, that so i just kind of wanted to give them a shout out and and like 
I, one reason I, you know, I didn't really go seeking out sponsors or a lot of like, I, you know, I didn't like reach out to nutrition companies for like, oh, hey, I'm doing this thing. Like, could you send me some stuff? And it's, I just, I, I really wanted to unplug from social media during this. Like, I didn't want to feel like, oh, like, I, you know, I have like three hours of sleep, but I have to, you know, I want to make sure to plug this brand. <laughs> like, so I, so that was just, you know, and, and I also just really wanted to use stuff that I just really genuinely love and use. And, and yeah, so that's kind of how I feel about that. Yeah. That's great. Well, uh, as always, we will put all of that stuff down in the description of the video below so you can find Liz uh, everywhere you would like to. Um, and once again, we just want to give her such a huge thank you for coming out and joining us tonight. Um, Liz, I'm host. Um, I just said it wrong. I was actually talking to Wesley um, about whether or not it was pronounced that way uh, before the show, because as you mentioned, you learn things by reading them. That's how I read your name the first time. Oh, yeah. So no, it's, uh, it's Anjos. <laughs> so yeah, so Liz Andrews, um, yeah. yeah, thank you so much for coming out. Um, the current Northbound FKT holder for the Appalachian Trail, um, potential future holder for the Oregon uh, PCT section, John Muir Trail, Vermont Long Trail, oh, oh, uh, North Country Trail maybe, <laughs> uh, Western States 100 uh, winner, finisher, participant. Oh my gosh, you, you didn't like say anything yet. <laughs> like make my schedule. <laughs> yeah, we no, would be open to that. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we'll see you guys next time. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava club so you can get mentioned in the Strava rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Version Nation. <laughs>